and a big welcome to the Elevator podcast. My name is Micah and I'm Selena and together we interview high achieving personalities to get to know their journey and expertise and the barriers they have faced so far to empower and inspire you to reach your full potential and elevate your life. Hi everyone, welcome back to the second episode of the new season. Today, we are excited to be joined by Terry McDougall, who is an executive and career coach, speaker and author of the book, Winning the Game of Work, Career Happiness and Success on Your Own Terms. After 30 years of corporate business experience, Terry chose to become a coach to focus on helping professionals step fully into their potential to lead satisfying careers. Terry relies on both her training as a coach and first-hand experience as a corporate leader to support her clients as they work towards their goals. In coaching engagements, Terry serves her clients as a partner and encourager as they break new ground, create change and navigate transition. So without further ado, sit back and enjoy the episode. Awesome. <laughs> cool. So hi, Terry. Welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on here today. So before we dive into your work, would you mind introducing yourself? Sure. So I'm Terry McDougall, and I'm an executive and career coach, and I work with high-achieving professionals who are successful but not satisfied. And what I mean by that is that if you looked at them, you know, from the outside, you'd say, oh, they have all the trappings of success. You know, they work for a good company or have a successful business. And, you know, it seems like they're doing well, but very often they're paying a very high price for that success in terms of stress, burnout, maybe issues with health or relationships. And what I try to do, my mission is really to help people expand the overlap between their professional success and their personal happiness. And, you know, just through sort of uh, mindset and learning specific skills on how to, you know, view what they do, they can find the points of leverage where they can, they can actually have that balance. I'm also an author of a book called Winning the Game of Work, Career Happiness and Success on Your Own Terms. I'm a wife and a mom of three kids. And before becoming a full-time coach in 2017, I worked for quite a long time in the corporate world as a marketing uh, leader. Thank you. Very interesting. I can I can also see the book peeking from the background. Yeah, yeah a little bit of product <laughs> placement back here. <laughs> it looks very nice. <laughs> Great. So why did you leave your corporate job then to become a coach? Well, you know, I, I had had a lot of success in my career, and in the, the last company I worked at, I was there for 12 years, and in the 12 years I was there, I had four different jobs. I really enjoyed most of the time I was there. The last job that I was in there was not one that I applied for. It was one that my boss said, I really want you to take this role. I did not really want the job, <laughs> and you know, but she really was sort of insistent that she wanted me in the in the role, and I never really felt like it was a great fit, and so I wasn't as happy as I had been. And when I kind of looked around the company, what I realized was that I came in at a, a high level within marketing, and I didn't really see opportunities within the organization for me to continue to grow. So it just got me thinking about what did I want to do next. And I actually did interview for other jobs at other companies, but 
I, I in many ways think that I sort of outgrew marketing, you know, in terms of like that being a career path. And it got me thinking, okay, well, what am I good at? And what do I really like to do? And what I realized was that as a, a marketing leader, I always had enjoyed coaching and mentoring of people on my teams. And I, you know, I just found that that was a really smart investment of my time and energy for so many reasons. When you have good people who are happy about their job and feel like they're growing, working on your team, it made my job a lot easier, (laughs) but it made it, you know, more enjoyable too, because, you know, when you're working with happy people, it's, you know, it's just a better uh, work environment. And so I decided to get a certification in coaching and, you know, just kind of take that step outside the corporate world and and really use all the experience that I had from my own career as sort of like a place to mine examples and, you know, provide perspective for people that were maybe kind of going through these different phases in their own career. And I, I didn't mention this, but I actually had hired executive and career coaches at a couple times in my career where I was sort of at a you know, crossroads and I needed some support or some somebody to help me get perspective. So I knew how valuable and helpful working with a coach could be. So I just wanted to be that person for other people. And that's why I decided to make the change. That's so interesting. I, I, I just, I always love hearing about, you know, people just following their passion in the end and just not being afraid to leave this like corporate job that you have or like whatever you were doing before. So how was that mm-hmm. transition for you? Like going from like a really stable job to like a more entrepreneurial job? It wasn't that I wasn't scared. (laughs) You know, it's just that sometimes like, I think that it was helpful that I wasn't happy, you know, because I, I wouldn't, I mean, usually you don't leave something that you're satisfied or happy with. Right. And it had just, it had actually gone from, you know, me actually being very happy working at that company to slowly, you know, the, the things that were more of a, a pain, more and more of my day was taken up with things that didn't fill me up, that weren't satisfying. And so it was a little easier to think about leaving that, even though I did leave, you know, that getting that direct deposit in my bank account every two weeks to going out and figuring out how to make money on my own. And I also would say that, you know, it wasn't it wasn't like I went to the, you know, high dive and just decided all at once to take, you know, a swan dive out of the corporate world. It really started with me thinking that I was just going to take a bit of a break. Like I I left that job without actually knowing what I was going to do next, but I spent some time sort of I don't know, in some ways sort of regaining my energy and my equilibrium and thinking about what I wanted to do next. And I decided to get the coaching certification during that time. And then as I was in the certification, I met a lot of other people who were planning on starting their own businesses. And I I think that that gave me the encouragement to go ahead and do that. Yeah. And I'm very glad that I did. Um, But I think it would have been more scary had I just decided in the beginning, like, I'm quitting this job and I'm going to do this. It just, I think I had to like start on the journey and just take some steps and see what it was like. And then I, you know, over time became committed to it. That sounds really nice. I also really like how you said, yeah, you just needed to get some more energy and then, yeah, you were redeciding. It sounds like a really nice transition you did. (laughs) 
So you said you, you wrote the book <laughs> and the, the winning the game of work. So why did you write the book and yeah, what is it about? Well, um, the book is really about sharing some of the unwritten rules of the quote-unquote game of work with people to help them understand how to be more effective in the workplace. I was, I, I'm a first-generation college graduate, and I really had the ambition right, you know, from when I graduated from college to you know, go into the business world. And I really had big ambitions for, you know, moving up and being successful. But I didn't have anybody in my family that could, you know, show me the ropes or be a, a role model or guide for me. And so I was always like reading books and just being a keen observer of like what people did to be successful at work. And, you know, I would see people that would get promoted, but I didn't understand how they were making that happen. And, you know, what I, I learned in some ways in the hard way was that a lot of things that work well in an academic environment to help you be successful don't translate to the workplace. There's a lot of informal influence that's required, you know, like what people talk about office politics. There's a lot of things that um, are kind of counterintuitive. We think that, oh, if I just go to work and I keep my head down and I just am, you know, quietly doing my work over in the corner, I'm going to be recognized and promoted. And that is, couldn't really be further from the truth. Like you really have to be an advocate for your own work. You have to ask for the things that you want. You have to sort of be willing to step out and be seen. And I just wanted to share a lot of those lessons with people so that they didn't have to sort of stumble along like I did. But the book initially started off, you know, I talked about when I first left my my job and I was sort of figuring things out, I started blogging. And I was just, you know, writing blogs about different lessons, different perspectives, different thoughts that I had about the workplace. And I blogged for about two years pretty regularly. And during that time, somebody just mentioned that, you know, you've been blogging for a long time and you probably have enough content for a book. And I never really thought about that, but I did download everything that I had and I had about 25,000 words. And around the same time, a friend of mine told me about a book writing program that she was taking part in. And so I kind of put two and two together and I, I said, well, tell me about it. And so I ended up joining up with that book writing program and I, I used my blogs as sort of the, the seeds that became the book. I really want my book to be inspirational for people also because, you know, I think sometimes people will look at people that are ahead of them on the you know, in the corporate world or maybe as business owners, and they, they see them at their current level of success. And, and sometimes it can be really easy to think like, oh, they just magically rose to that level and they never ran into any hardships. And just in my life and in my career, I've met a lot of people who I, I learned sort of their backstory. And, you know, for many people, you know, they got fired, they got in trouble with the IRS, they were sexually harassed, you know, they, they like took a very meandering route to where they got to. And I wanted to share those stories as inspiration for people that the end, you don't need to just stop and settle. You can decide to do something different. Great. Yeah. No, I love hearing this kind of thing. And it's great that you're being transparent in your book as well. Because as you said, like some people, we just, we usually just see the end product, right? We don't right. really 
we don't see the journey and that's really short, so important to show yeah to show people so that you know they have like a realistic view on things so that leads me on to like one of my questions was I feel like so many people nowadays they really struggle finding their purpose in life you know they find themselves like crossroads and why do you think that is and like what do you see in the people that you coach? I, I came across some research that really opened my eyes up when I was doing the book, and it's that um, high achievers tend to be addicted to external validation. And I was like, when I saw that, I was like, wow, that blew my mind because first of all, I recognize myself in that. But then I thought back about like, how do high achievers become successful? It's that they're focused on what people outside of them expect. It, it starts when people are in primary school and, you know, they're doing their little worksheet and the teacher gives them a gold star and they're like, oh, I got a gold star. I want more of that. And then they keep performing and fulfilling on what's expected of them in school. And so they keep getting rewarded and they're successful. It continues into university. It continues from university into what they do afterwards. And that can help people be successful. But one of the things that um, happens as sort of a side effect is that a lot of times they get disconnected from their uh, ability to connect with what's important to them, what's authentic to them, what they get joy from because they've gotten in this habit of delaying gratification. And so we're, we're delaying, grat oh, you know, I have to like chase this goal or this brass ring. And sometimes we don't stop and say, do I like this path that I'm on? Is this fun anymore? You know, I might be good at this, but do I enjoy it? And I think that it's very important to have that balance. I mean, clearly if you're working at a job or if you know, like you guys, you're in a PhD program, you have to understand what the expectations are. But we also have to pay attention to, do I feel energized by this? Am I caring for myself? That's really at the heart of what my mission is. And, and that's when I talk about that overlap of success and satisfaction. You know, that's where we kind of can step into who we are authentically. Thank you for saying that. I have to say the sentence is... Uh, it was very surprising for me as well. <laughs> um, but it's, it's a really good sentence. And now that you said it, I, I'm in my head, I'm already thinking of different people and how this can relate to this. And yeah, very interesting. Thank you for sharing that. So yeah, as a coach, so what kind of people do you work with? And maybe you can give us a bit of background of how do you coach them? Yeah, it's, like I've said, I, I work with people that are successful, but not satisfied. And so it's typically people that, you know, they've been working for a while, you know, usually they've been uh, working for, you know, 10 years or more, and they've had initial success, maybe they've gotten to a certain level, and they, and they're starting to think about what they want to do next. And maybe they can't figure out like what it is, or how to get to that next level, or, you know, they have success, and they've done, they've, they've gotten there under their own steam. And then maybe they've gotten promoted to a manager and they're still working really, really hard, working lots of hours and they, you know, they're not feeling satisfied. So what I help people do, and I've got kind of a five step approach to how I coach people is I always start with helping them get clarity on what it is that they want. 
right? So a lot of times people will come in and they'll talk about their pain points, like, oh, I'm just working too many hours, I'm so stressed, you know, my husband's mad at me because I'm never home for dinner, whatever the issues are, like the, the downside. But what I really want people to do is like flip it and say, like, if I could ma- like wave a magic wand, what do you want your life to look like? Because once we can like flip to, to be something positive, we can move towards a positive outcome, right? We get clarity on that goal. And then we work together on what does that roadmap look like for you to get there, right? Like what are the steps that you're going to need to take to make that a reality? And then, you know, a lot of times when we're putting that roadmap together, we recognize that, oh, well, there's there's maybe some skill gaps here. Like maybe they, they're going to need to network to become more visible in their companies so that people feel comfortable with promoting them, but they feel uncomfortable with that. So maybe we're going to say, okay, well, let's practice, you know, we're going to put networking skills down as, as something that you want to work on, or, you know, maybe somebody's a new manager and they're not used to having direct feedback conversations with their staff. So we will work on that. Whatever they need, we work on those skills. And then I, the other thing that I talk about is like giving them environments that support them. So the, I actually break that into three different environments. The first one is just giving them a safe place to talk about what's going on in their world. Because, you know, especially for people that maybe are leaders, they can't, you know, they can't talk to people on their staff about like, oh, I feel nervous about this. Or, you know, your coworker is is being a pain like you can't do that right and but sometimes they don't have an outlet maybe they don't they don't want to bring it home or they can't bring it home maybe their family's tired of hearing about it so just giving them a safe place that's confidential to talk about things the external environment is actually goal setting holding them accountable celebrating the achievements so that you know there's actually they are taking action so that external you know kind of scorekeeping of moving towards the goal and then the last um, environment is helping them make sense of what's going on in the political environment around them so that they can you know navigate and then the last thing that i work with people on and it's actually the first thing also is maintaining a positive solutions oriented mindset because You can get a clear goal of the thing that you want to do, but if you don't believe that's possible, it will not happen. And even if, you know, sometimes like an opportunity can fall in somebody's lap, but if they're sitting there believing that the thing they want is not possible, the perfect gift could fall in their lap and they won't recognize it. And and the flip side of that is that I have very, very often seen that when people finally shift to the belief that what they want is possible, it can happen so, so quickly. I always think that like we're just surrounded by possibilities and we just sort of have to pull the blinders off and start connecting the dots of what we have access to us uh, around us. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I totally resonate with like most of what you said. And I feel like being a high achiever or being a perfectionist is like a blessing in disguise because as you said we require so much external validation that we just forget to focus on what we actually want so it's really nice that what you said the first step you work on is like the clarity about what we want and I think that is so hard like actually so hard to get but once you get that it's so much easier and I feel like also the brain is amazing right like once you focus on what you actually want then you get to 
where you want. We are controlled by our subconscious. Our behavior comes from beliefs that we have in the subconscious. And sometimes what we really need to do is raise those beliefs up to the level of consciousness and really examine them and ask the question, is this belief serving me? And if it's not, we have to consciously say, I'm going to replace that. And in the beginning, when we're saying that, we're going to still kind of like go back to our old habits. But as soon as we notice that we're doing that, we have to stop ourselves and very consciously say, you know, no. You know, like, for example, if we're saying like, oh, I can't do that, we might have to stop ourselves and like say, no, I'm smart enough to do this. You know, I'm capable of doing this, like replace it. And the more that we do that, the more that becomes the new habit. It's just a little bit hard in the beginning. I totally agree. Also, yeah, what you said with it takes a lot of work because at the beginning, it's very probably also exhausting and also like flipping back into old habits mm -hmm. probably is, is so easy. So I can imagine it takes a lot of work to keep also this positivity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's part of what I do as a coach, right? It's just I, I often kind of talk about the fact that I feel like I'm the person holding the mirror up for people. And I, I have this little saying, which is that you can't read the label from inside the bottle. Like we're walking around just being who we are. We do what we do. We're walking around doing the things that we do. And sometimes we were like, I don't understand. Like no matter what I try, I always get the same result. And it's because a lot of times we don't see what we're doing very clearly, or we don't see how it's impacting the world around us. And as a coach, if I can hold that up and say, do you realize that, you know, you keep talking about the fact that you don't think you're smart. And I might say, you graduated at the top of your class, your boss just gave you a high performance rating. Like, how does that even align with you saying that you're not smart? You are smart. Like, maybe you should start telling yourself that you're smart and you're capable, right? And then all of a sudden, like once they do more of that, they start feeling more hopeful and optimistic and start, you know, looking at the world like somebody who is capable rather than somebody who feels fearful that they're not smart enough. And I feel like everybody needs someone like you putting up a mirror because once it's in your head, it's really hard to get out of this because yeah. obviously it's just yourself talking to yourself and like, oh no, I'm not good enough. So it's important to have these people in your life who will be like, stop. <laughs> and also it's not a weakness to have a coach. You know, I feel like there's also this sort of barrier about people people feeling like, oh, I'm going to get a coach, but that means like I'm weak or like, you know, I'm not capable of doing things by myself. Yeah. There's also this like ego thing, right? So that must be hard as well to work with your clients and tell them, you know, I'm here to help and I'm here to actually empower you to just, yeah, just reach whatever you want to have. That I think that it's people who take responsibility for what they want out of life. And one of the things that I, I end up actually coaching a lot is not to be as harsh and judgmental of themselves, you know, because, you know, we need to be kind to ourselves and be supportive of ourselves. And when we do make a mistake, just say, I, I tell people, talk to yourself the way that you would talk to your best friends. And most of us would not say to our best friend, like, you're so stupid, I can't believe you made that mistake, right? Like, why do you keep doing this? Like, we wouldn't keep that friend very long if that's how we talk to them. But a lot of times, if you have people speak out loud what their internal dialogue is, it is stuff like that. And that is really detrimental, right? It's is not very kind to ourselves to talk like that. And we can still get, we can actually get better results if we are 
more forgiving of ourselves and we and we give ourselves grace and we say, you know what? I'm going to give you credit for being brave enough to try that. And even though you didn't get the result that you wanted, you'll do better next time, right? You learned something from this. You can do better next time. And you know, that's that's kind of the kind voice that I think a lot of times we need to to be encouraged to keep going. Having worked in the corporate world for as long as I did and I, you know, I had access to very senior level leaders and I can tell you that these people a lot of t- times look very polished and all of that. They're polished because they work with professionals who help them be that way, to help them do media training, to help them do presentation training, to help them be more polished and effective. One phrase that I saw on your blog was work smarter, not harder, which I really like because I'm a bit advocate for that as well. So would you mind elaborating a bit on this? Yeah, you know, I think that what I see a lot of times is that if people have had success in their career, they keep doing the thing that got them to the point where they are, right? Like, so if it's working longer hours, if it's jumping in to take, take a project on, like that's good, like work ethic is important. But as you rise within organizations, you need to evolve what you're doing. And um, and particularly when you go from being an individual contributor to being a manager, it's very important to be able to step back and look for the points of leverage, which means I, I like to use this example. It's sort of like if you had a brick mason that said, I'm gonna bring all the bricks to my uh, job site. I'm gonna go to my truck and carry them there one by one, right? Like that doesn't make sense at all, right? That's gonna take a long time. It's gonna, but sometimes people are like, well, it, it gets the job done. So I'm just gonna do it this way versus, you know, maybe looking around, finding a wheelbarrow. Maybe it's gonna take a little longer to find the wheelbarrow, but you can take that and put all the bricks in the wheelbarrow and carry it to the job site and, um, you know, and that's just a more efficient way of doing it. I think that people need to do the same thing with their work. Like sometimes they feel this urgency to start executing. And so the fastest way to execute is to jump in and do it themselves rather than stepping back and saying, how can I do this more efficiently? You know, do I need to build a repeatable system or process? If I'm working on something that's not my highest value work, is there somebody on my team that I can delegate to? And you know, often maybe that person doesn't currently have the skill set to do it, but you know, you can think about like how do I train them? How do I support them to be able to do this so that I can, you know, over time delegate that to them and free myself to elevate and do higher level work. So I always think about all of us in organizations are entrusted with resources. And the people that get the biggest return on the investment of the resources that they're entrusted with are the people that are adding the most value for the organization. And so, you know, when we do things ourselves, we're basically getting, you know, a one-to-one ratio. But if we can look at the resources and say, how can I use these resources more? Like we might, you know, maybe there's somebody on the team that can't do it as fast as we can, but if we've got five people that can do it, you know, half as fast as we can, if you start multiplying that, 
that's still a higher ratio than if we did it ourselves, right? Very interesting. I, I very much agree. That sounds that sounds really nice. So another question I had was, so you also talk about um, enhancing your environment. So, so my question was, I think also you describe in your book is how to create a safe place at work, like to share challenges or I think you talk about receiving mentoring and feedback openly. So maybe you could talk about this a bit. Well, I think that um, it's important to understand who you're surrounding yourself with. And, you know, I've, I've seen it kind of go both ways where maybe somebody works with maybe a toxic manager and they will divulge a lot about themselves and then sometimes that comes back to hurt them right because maybe they've they've shared a lot with somebody who's not trustworthy but i think it's important to find people that you can um you know, when I was talking about the coaching that, you know, where you can have a safe environment to sort of let your hair down. And a lot of times when people are talking openly in a safe environment about what's going on with them, they get more clarity. They start to come to a realization about what's going on and it becomes clear what action they need to take. And and I think that's important. But, you know, there's different ways that you can you can have that. You know, you can find a mentor. You you may have somebody at work that has maybe who's a little, you know, more senior than you, or maybe it's even a colleague, but you have, you know, different areas of expertise that you can just agree to get together and kind of share your challenges in a in a confidential way and support each other. But you know, I, I think that we were talking about this earlier that sometimes it's a it's a especially for high achieving people, it's you know, we just want to rely on ourselves that we're like kind of like, oh well, you know, I I'll figure it out. But we often can kind of lose perspective. You know, sometimes even a, a trusted friend or colleague can, you know, maybe give you perspective that's, yeah. that's very true. I, had, I just have to add to this that, that at least something I totally relate with. Like, for example, with um, Selena and I, like, we're in the same group, for example, and I'm just so grateful to have her there as well. Because it gives, like, an output, you know, somebody who's, like, a bit out of your own, own yeah. head and who can give you, like, just some feedback as well, just some honest feedback especially. Yeah. When I first started my coaching business, I joined a mastermind group with several other coaches that had gone through the same training program that I did. And I really credit that with, you know, me being able to have the, the courage and the support and the fortitude to, to keep going with my business. Because especially in the early days, you know, you're facing a lot of, you know, fear and, you know, you're learning a lot of new skills and, and you know, trying to build the foundation for a business. And it can be scary, it can be lonely, it can be, you know, discouraging at times. and having a group of people that were in a similar situation, we just would meet every other week for an hour and just kind of share our successes, share our goals. Um, sometimes we would do like a hot seat if somebody had an issue that they wanted to get, you know, ideas on, that they would kind of share it with the group and that we would all, you know, pitch in and provide our perspective or our ideas. And that was that was just really so valuable to um, have people that were really in the same boat as I was. And, you know, I mean, I'm married and I have a lovely husband, but he he wasn't going through the same thing that I was. Right. And so he wouldn't really be able to fully relate. But the people in my um, mastermind group did. It was very, very helpful. No, definitely. I think it's it's so, so, so important that to have 
different types of people around you, you know, and people who are like really, really different from you. We were talking about this in another episode. It's, sometimes we just select the people that are really similar to us to just surround mm-hmm. us. And yeah, Micah and I, we work well together. So we work together on this podcast, but we also work together in the lab. And we have like really different characters. But mm-hmm. that really helps me as well because Micah is more calm. Like she's calmer than me. Like she's more like, mm-hmm. you know, sort of like, I don't know. She just thinks like more calmly. I mean, sometimes I'm more like on the go, like go, 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 let's do this. And yeah, it just, you know, reminds me to just slow down and yeah, maybe think through things like a bit more deeper. So yeah, so it's, I think it's so important to have people who are like really different around you. But yeah, I think that um, maybe you've heard the saying that like what got you here is not going to get you there. You know, like we, yeah. we rise to a certain level and a lot of times we're like, well, you know, this is what I did to get here. I'm just going to keep doing this. And that got you there. It's not going to get you to the next level. And sometimes you do need somebody to provide you that perspective and to challenge you to, to learn new things. Um, I've also noticed, and I mean in myself, but also sometimes in people that I'm coaching, that, you know, when we get to a certain level of mastery, it's very uncomfortable to go back to being a beginner, right? It's scary and we might just wanna fall back on, well, I'm just gonna do that thing that I'm really good at rather than challenging ourselves to like move outside the comfort zone. But there's never any progress within the comfort zone, right? You have to inch out of the comfort zone and it doesn't have to be a giant leap forward out into the gray area. It can just be like a little baby step outside of the comfort zone and then like once we get out there and we're like okay i've expanded the comfort zone okay i'm gonna take another baby step but if we keep doing that if we keep challenging ourselves and we keep looking for people that can you know maybe shine a little bit of a light on what's what's next on the path you know if you keep taking baby steps you will make progress and you'll look back and you'll be like wow i came a long way you know i just was persistent and i kept going and kept facing my fears you know and moving forward I totally agree. Yeah. Um, It's scary and it's exhausting. I mean, I think from all, it's really exhausting (laughs) and to get out of your comfort zone and just to to try out new things. But it is really good. Like afterwards, I'm like, yes, I'm glad I did it. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, oh, look what I did. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Afterwards, there's so much like, yeah, motivation as well. Yeah. And I think it applies in every aspect of your life. It doesn't just have to be your career or your job. Like I try to take myself out of my comfort zone in all the aspects of my life. So in my relationships, in my hobbies, you know, I'm a really active person, but I try to, you know, try new things in what I do mm-hmm. for sports. And, and I think that really, you know, translates then into your job and like your career. So, yeah. So I see two questions we ask all our guests is what is your favorite word or quote and why? Oh my gosh. It, you know, this, this is kind of like when people say, what's your favorite movie? And I'm like, I, can I just, it's hard to pick one. My favorite word is, is courage. And the reason why I like courage is because I actually read a book years ago and it was called Courage is a Three Letter Word. And, you know, spoiler alert, but the word is yes. And the thing I really loved about the book was that it, it had stories from all of these people who had done amazing things, like people that had gone to the moon and like women who had, you know, been the first pioneer to do something. And, and the whole idea was not that they weren't scared. It was that they took action in spite of being afraid. 
And to me, that's what courage is. Courage is taking action even if you're scared. So that's <laughs> that's why I love perfect. that word. That is perfect. perfect. That's the yeah. perfect way to end this, I would say. <laughs> Thank you so much, Terry. Thank oh, you. Oh, you're so welcome. Much. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with Terry as much as we did. Check out the show notes if you wish to learn more about Terry's work and her book, or wish to dive a bit into a blog to read about how to build your confidence, reach your goals, and enjoy yourself along the way. As always, we will really appreciate it if you could rate and subscribe to this podcast, as well as share it around you so that we can reach and empower more people to elevate their lives. If you wish to support our work, please check out our link tree where you can find a link to donate. See you soon. Mm-hmm.